Hey everyone, welcome to Print and Ship It, episode 107, the podcast that talks games and making games. I'm Chris from Madison, Wisconsin, and of course, from the land of a billion lakes, we got Adam um, Raver. How's it going, man? Dude, I'm doing great. How are you, Chris? Oh, just living the dream as always. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm really self-conscious now about saying that, because uh, one of my friends from work sent me this um, Instagram meme or whatever that was like. Do you ever notice that everyone who says they're living the dream is a white person who's dying inside? <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, and God. Like, full disclosure, like I'm half Asian, so I replied with, well, I'm only half dying then. But, sure, half dying. Yeah, but it's kind of fun. It kind of made me like really self-conscious about saying that. But yeah, I'm doing yeah, great. It, it's a mainstream saying these days. You know, it used, to, it used to be like kind of a clever thing like, hey, you know, living the dream. But now it's, yeah. yeah. You know what, honestly, I'm a pretty optimistic dude, so I feel like I, I am kind of living the dream. Dude, so. Same here, man. Same here. Every day is a great day. I love yeah, it. so what do you, um, I guess jumping right into it, what have you been playing, man? Uh, yeah, so um, the two that we have played recently, uh, th- these were some lunch games. Um, so we played a game called Vault Wars. This is a publisher that is local to the Twin Cities, Floodgate Games. Oh, awesome. They do good stuff, and this is a... Probably one of the um, probably one of the neatest auction games on the market. Like it's it's like basically storage wars, but it's like fantasy setting. And you're essentially each round, each player gets a vault. You're you're all picking which vault that you want to um, sell this round, and then you go back and forth uh, auction style, um, paying for uh, the items in the vault. And so what makes it interesting though is like every vault has a different ability to, to see what's in it so every, everyone at the table like maybe, maybe the the seller can see everything and then maybe everyone else can like mm-hmm. see one or two things so there's kind of a, um, some information out, out there but not everyone has the same information so it uh it adds a little bit of um you know it, it, it adds some interesting interaction in the game in terms yeah, of auctioning yeah. and when, when you sell your vault you actually get the other players money and you get to keep that and spend it for the next time so when like managing your vaults and and when you're going to be playing your vaults if vaults going to go first have? I think you have five when you start the game. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's quite a few sales happening, uh, and they're they're numbered like one to maybe seventeen or sixteen or something like that. But um, well, that that would make sense. Is there a little sense, bit of bluffing to it? Uh, there is definitely bluffing to it. Okay. Um, but, but what's is cool is like when you put your vault down, the lowest number goes first. So if you need money now, you want to pick a low number, and if you don't need money now, maybe you want to sit on that high number that is going to be likely a vault that's going to be worth a lot of money. So. Um, I'd recommend it. Plays in about an hour. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. It, it I mean, like any auction game, you kind of need the right group. You need people that know each other and are okay stepping on each other's toes. You know, this is yeah. not like a player own I mean, kind I, of game. I feel like the whole point of auction games, or at least like at least this, sounds like an auction social game a little bit. It so is. Like, yeah, you have that that idea of like. I'm just going to vote you up because you voted me up, not because it's the right play. Like totally. And you know, a lot of people have information, but you don't necessarily know what you have. You don't necessarily know what other people have. And, and that adds a little bit of a neat dynamic too. There is definitely some randomness baked into it because you don't know what you're getting a lot of time, but um, it's neat. That's a really clever theme for sure. So then the second game I've been playing is Azul and Azul is a recent um, spiel winner. Uh, Very popular game. Yeah. A little popular. And, um, this this game is just you know it's it's got it all I think it, it you sit down it's got great interaction level it's quick to learn it, and it has a really neat um, personal management of the resources that you get so the resource collection is great and then the the 
the tableau management and then the the, the scoring is is just neat so i think does all all a, across the board does it have a scoring cheat sheet it well the scoring cheat sheet could be better that that is one say, thing i think the graphic the design it doesn't have <laughs> the like the bonuses are outlined on the scoring cheat sheet. Yeah. Like if you have two across, if you have a whole like, roll across tiles, you have you plus two. You have a whole yeah. column, you get plus seven. If you have every uh, one of those tile colors co- covered, you get plus mm-hmm. ten bonuses. But it doesn't say that when you place a tile, how do you score it? So you just have to know that based on the rules. So yeah. but that's something game. that I constantly need a reminder on because it's not. It's it, it's pretty it's pretty clever, but it's not super intuitive. But like once you start doing it, you just keep doing it. It's fine. Well, it's kind of an interesting game because like the it's so it's like it's pretty abstract, right? Like what you're doing. In it's the game. very abstract. So yeah, like I think in abstract games, it, it it can be hard to like make a direct connect. Like there's no like thematic dr- thing drawing you to how scoring works. Right. Um, I mean, I guess like a little bit like oh, you're trying to paint the like fill in this beautiful tableau but like it's not um like you know like some games where it's like oh cross this line with your dude and x happens like there's like a direct connection while this is just like here are the basis of the this is the basis of the game but at the same time it's still extremely successful so it's right interesting yep i i mean i really i really do kind of attribute it back to um just hitting strong mechanics on all parts the resource acquisition the tableau management and the scoring kind of all, all being very strong so yeah yeah and we'll, we'll play light, right? one and so, like also componentry too i mean yeah it's light it's simple to learn and and the componentry is just knocks it out uh, of the park too so they do look like starbursts do not eat them i was gonna say i love picking the red <laughs> and the blue because i want some starbursts always could just play that game. Uh, what have burst. you been playing, is Chris? Like a, is there like a Starburst version of that game we could make? No, that would be brilliant. Like a brilliant little cross brand. Exactly. Oh, the, the tropical. That'd be really fun. It's a legacy game. Like, oh, Zool yeah. the legacy game. You can eat the Starburst. <laughs> eat Starburst, oh, but you lose points. Um, you lose points, but it tastes great. Uh, what have I been playing? Um, I haven't hit the table with much um, since we last talked, which is unfortunate. So a lot of my stuff is um, on the digital end. Um, one, um, the first one being a game called Into the Breach. This was a game that came out on the PC and it just came out on the Switch. Um, But it is a um, Advanced Wars-esque game. Have you ever played FTL? Uh, Yes, I have. FTL is a space control, like, you know, spaceship um, management, exploration, roguelike type game. Um, This is made by the same people. And it's a game where you have a grid and you have three different mechs and they all have different powers. So, like, one mech can go up and punch a dude and when he punches them they slide back a square another mech may have a thing where he can jump over an enemy and it drops a bomb on them and then another you can have like an artillery guy so usually you have three different mechs um, with lots of different variations and each level is almost like a puzzle because it's cool because you know what your opponent's going to do it tells you like it's a it's like there's three monsters on the board and it's like oh this monster is going to attack this building this monster is going to attack down this line and then this monster is going to whatever move over here so you know what they're going to do and then no randomness yeah yeah, but that's like kind of the best part well the randomness is like what they end up doing but then they show you right like they could do anything um sure but then they show you like what they can do and then you have to figure okay if i punch this guy here then this guy shoots him and then this guy flies over him like all of these things so you're just staring at it's like what is the move here like how do i do all of this without taking any damage or losing anything 
Um, so like every level is just kind of this puzzle. And then as soon as you kind of get used to one set of mechs, there's like three new mechs that you get to learn. Um, and then I think there's like six different types and then you can like combine them however you want. And it's pretty crazy. I, I highly recommend this to anyone who's into any sort of like strategy or puzzly type games. If you've ever played the old Advance Wars types of games, it's kind of have that has that flavor to it. Um, but Sweet. Even on the Switch, I think it's, oh, I forget how much it was on the Switch, but totally worth it. And it's nice to have it in a portable fashion because it's just like a quick, I'm going to play one round and then 20 rounds later, you're like, oh, there goes the night. But great game. <laughs> um, but Like every digital game. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but other than that, the only thing I've really been playing is a lot of Rocket League, and that's not very oh, board gamery game. or whatever. So, you know, that's, Rocket League, everyone play it. Board game. It's a great game. <laughs> Actually, um, they did try to make like a, I think Hasbro or someone tried to make like a toy version of that or like a, not a board game, but, you know, like a, it would probably oh, really? be sold in the board game section. <laughs> Um, type game so i gotta look that up that sounds yeah. hilarious yeah it's literally just like i think two rc cars and i was gonna say i hope you're i literally hope it's like electronics you're like actually yeah it totally is driving around and hitting the ball around yeah so but yeah that's just spent a lot of time playing rocket league so um but yeah so i think pretty good at that game yeah yeah we're top we're top tier players for sure <laughs> top, <laughs> no, top of the mid tier it's top, fun. top of the middle to low tier <laughs> It's, it's fun to bash people up. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think we can get right into it, right? We have an awesome pitch today. We have another pitch, so thank you. Uh, again, real quick intro on the section. If you want to pitch a game to Adam's Apple Games, um, we will hear your pitch. Um, we will listen to it. We will play it on air. We will provide feedback to it and may request a rulebook, may request a prototype. And who knows where that, that that'll go? So yeah, or even um, just kind of uh, getting more people to hear it, right? Getting it out there, yep. out into the world. Best best way to pitch us is to just get in contact with us, Adam at adamsepplegames.com. Um, send a ideally send a two minute audio clip of, of your pitch, uh, and we'll play it and uh, make it happen. Awesome. So let's um, listen to this pitch. Um, the game is called Draft Beer um, by I'm going to mispronounce this name, but um, Zintis May. So let's do that. Um, All right. Listen right now. Insert pitch now. It's a pitch here. I should leave that in. In Draft Beer, you've just fulfilled one of your lifelong dreams to open a bar. But when you go tell all your friends, you discover that they've also opened bars in the same town even. So in the spirit of good-natured rivalry, stock your bars, attract customers, and have the most successful business at the end of the game. Draft Beer is a pick-and-pass drafting game for two to five players that can be learned in a few minutes and plays in about 20 or 30 minutes. It uses multi-use cards, which are used for both set collection and scoring, depending on whether they are a beer in your bar or a customer walking down the street. Customers all want one thing, which could be dark, light, malty, hoppy, cheap, or expensive beers, and other amenities like salty snacks. They'll go to whichever player has the best selection of beers of those types at the end of each draft round. Draft beer is an easy-to-learn but challenging drafting game, as you have to keep in mind what kinds of beers you are passing to your neighbor, what beers are being passed from your other neighbor, and carefully balance stocking your bar with advertising to attract new customers. May the best bar win. Clever name, huh? Draft beer? Get it, Adam? Pretty clever name. <laughs> get it? I get drafting it. Game? I get what you're going for. Uh-huh. What, you know, what is this, a drafting game? This is, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess just um, starting right off from the bat, um, like the pitch in general is hilarious. Um, I love the idea, the theme that hey, I'm going to open a bar overnight and then 
oh no all my friends opened a bar too <laughs> like yeah we didn't have this conversation we should all open a bar we're all just like oh let's just do it which is kind of a funny um play on great that. idea guys um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think overall that was a great pitch. Um, the game sounds really interesting. Like I said, very clever intro there. Um, and I guess like for me, this is boss monster meets beer meets sushi go, right? Yeah. I mean, then, and th- those are all, I would say all pretty good things. Like that's, that's a really compelling pitch. I mean, you, you pitch that to a company like Adam's Apple games, like we have beer games in our, in our past um and in our future we think we ended our future we, we think we do beer games better than anyone else because we actually tap into the craft beer industry uh and and like that is it's just a, it's, a, it's a pretty compelling uh con- concept that you have going there um the draft mechanism uh would, would do really well with people you know hanging out over over some craft beers because everyone's doing stuff at the same time but yet you can still kind of talk about you know the interaction the choices that are being made so i, I really dig that um one, one, one challenge that I would have is, I mean, just thinking about this game, like, you know, in, in what we know best, right, is the Bruin USA universe where every beer has a craft beer logo on it. Uh, one like of the things that that's a multiverse. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe someday, right? Just so much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so one, one thing that we've, we have found, though, is that um, when you differentiate beer to beer to beer, um, the different craft beers want a say in. So you can't like make one seem like it's a better thing than another thing. So we actually, in our first Bruin USA game, kind of an interesting tidbit, we used to have victory points on the beer. We had to take mm-hmm. it off when we started involving craft beers because um, craft beer companies because... Um, you can't have one they, beer worth nine points and another beer yeah, worth and two points. What is that? They all wanted to be like? the 10-point beer, right? Like, yeah. of course. Um, so anyway, just th- that is kind of a personal and a, a company reflection on, on the pitch. I think the, I mean, one thing I want to point out too is like the uh, the art that you used on the prototype and the sell sheet has uh, the most interesting man in the world, which yep. I think is hilarious. <laughs> yep. Dig it. Um, it's and kind of, yeah, it's interesting that, that, that like, I think that's a really like funny move to put on a sell sheet, but at the same time, like, having something closer to final art i mean i don't know how far along this is so like maybe this is um relatively early in the process or um that's just where you are with it i think on a sell sheet something like that just while is funny is like like not really showing off showcasing the game the best uh and that's fair that that's a fair criticism i think at, at the same point like it, it does it does still focus on what's relevant of the yeah. of the game so you have the the icons on the left and the icon on the bottom um and then the the multi-use of cards i think is kind of an interesting play on drafting here too i mean i think i think suji go kind of has this too where you can like you can draft the what is it the chopsticks where you can use that to take two next time so that's a little bit of a multi-use uh card going in there but I think this this to me feels like oh like I might not be winning in in this um, food type or this or this beer type. Mm-hmm. Now I can sell it off to get a new customer, and I think that's that's a cool gamery decision that you can add a layer into that drafting mechanic. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that I, um, because like the idea that I get to make more like in a sushi go, yeah, you're just kind of taking your card right, but in this it's like oh I could take this card and I, then I have another decision after that. Do I use it this way or do I use it that way? Which is really clever. Totally. Um, I, I mean, I mean, I think my 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 
feedback on this one is going to be so from from a product do i see it as being a potential product market absolutely i think this this is a game that's going to hit with people that like craft beer and are sitting around a pub and you know want something to play through fast um yeah i think one of my favorite parts about this is that it ages up a game like sushi go like sushi go can be played by anyone this sounds like it can be played by anyone but at the same time like sushi go may not be the game to um suck in your friends who aren't real big gamers like sure it's a game that they could get and may think it's cute but i think this this could be a really great um intro game for people as well like just based off the theme right like like from our perspective we've done well at gen con just by saying hey do you like beer (laughs) (laughs) right i mean it's a weird question to ask someone walking by a booth then they say uh, and, i do and then and 30 percent of people will say no not at all but then the then other we, know, we have a food truck game do you like food are interested yeah like you know it, it's it's a it, it's it's a theme that is different um and there, there's certainly a few game and game companies doing it but it definitely perks the interest of someone that likes beer and craft beer and, and that audience is a hardcore audience for the most part and they're true to their to their craft and, and their industry and so they really appreciate when um, companies make uh, games that that promote and and do a good job represent, representing their industry. So, um, any other questions on this one? I mean, cost to produce like th- this game is 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 a cards. low production cost game. Yeah. It's cards. Um, I think that that's great. I think that um, my follow up here would be like, let's you should definitely send a rule rule book over Zintus, and uh, if you have a prototype or a print and play, like totally send that over too because. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that you line this one up perfectly, but um, I think you we're, the we're team to pitch it to. We like, sure. I, I love craft beer. Um, Chris appreciates it, and uh, it, we 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 see the value in, and we know the industry the best out of any of the um, any of the publishers you know out there for board games. So, and I will put my uh, my pants on that too. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Please send us um, anything that you have for this. We're really interested in seeing this one a little bit further. Um, I think, in general, um, really great pitch, um, great sell sheet, and yeah, please feel free to send more. Like I said, you kind of. Um, I hope you strategically picked us and just <laughs> didn't kind of. <laughs> Pick us out of the blue. Give It'd be hilarious if you just like totally pitch this game. You're like, uh, these guys want, you know, these guys have yeah, this, this podcast. <laughs> these, these idiots are going to play my thing. Might as well go for it. And yeah. then, oh, shit. Um, listen also, to too, I mean, if you have like a tabletop simulator version, um, this seems like a pretty easy game to add to something like that. So um, I don't know if you're international or not, but that, that may be a, a way where we can, um, we can we can hook up digitally and, and save shipping costs as well. So. Open yeah, to oh, whatever, but let us I know. guess one interesting thing about this, um, and something that applies to Bruin USA, um, is that does does applying like a craft beer or local or United States based things? Do you think that like puts this in a um, a hole of like, oh, this will only be sold here? I mean, I know that's like a a bigger topic, but do you think question to me? Of, yeah, do you think like um, the idea of saying? Oh, we could put a bunch of craft beer logos on it. If we didn't go international with that stuff, it would wouldn't sell outside of here. Yeah, I mean, I will say that Bruin USA is the one game that we do not have localized, and so we did probably a little bit pigeonhole our market mm-hmm. to the U.S. But like as a startup, that's that forward. wasn't a bad play no, because exactly. Well, one because uh, shipping to this other, just in. Europe is not 
cheap. Exactly. Shipping is super expensive to Europe and different you know regions of the world. And then and then two, I think like you know we were able to focus our marketing efforts in uh, in the U.S. as well, and that's what we know. So it's not a bad place to start. Um, that being said, I, I could I could totally see now now that I've traveled Europe a little bit, I I know I I now start to understand the industry of crap beer there a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Certain countries do just don't have it like you're gonna go to a france and like they may have like a handful but a country like croatia i saw like 60 or 70 craft breweries pop up yeah so i mean i think that you could definitely do a a brew in world or a brew in europe or something like that so i mean we'll see it we'll see where that goes but um i'd love to you know also there any any other publishers working out there that are interested in that idea love to partner on that and i can kind of show you the um the ins and outs of figuring out the craft beer industry in your in your area yeah, one really um, interesting thing, going just go, sweeping back to componentry really quick, um, all cards, you know? Like, yeah, this is, it. Adam and I call this the white whale. Um, this is the white whale. Of board game design, because we've always had this, like, what if we just make a game that's all cards? And then yep. 20 minutes later, it's like, well, if we had chits, it'd be easier. <laughs> better. It, it's and so easy to go to chits or tokens or counters anything, or right? cubes. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, but... You know, I think this is a, a very streamlined design, which um, props to that. And, uh, you, you know, a lot of people say, like, the 54-card deck is the white whale, but I really think just all cards yeah, is the white whale because yeah, I mean, realistically... you have 54 or 108. It doesn't really matter from a publisher standpoint. You're going to make the box probably bigger than a 54-card deck anyway. Yep. You know, like, you would just, you just have to do that to sell games. So, um, yeah, awesome. I dig it. So once again, that was um, the very cleverly named Draft Beer by Zintis May. So um, thanks for sending that in. And like yeah. Adam said at the beginning of the segment, please feel free to reach out with your um, pitches and we'd be happy to put them out there. Um, also, I think I just kind of like to put out the idea, like if you just have kind of questions or emails or thoughts or anything you want us to answer, um, feel free to reach out with that type of stuff as well. Totally. Topic, suggestions, whatever. Like, like, uh, hit us up. We're we will respond to whatever you send our way. Reddit, um, email, Twitter, Facebook. Let us know. Yeah. So let's kind of jump into our topic of this week. Um, this is a really good one and really topical to us right now. Um, hey, Adam, how do you know when a game is done? Oh my gosh, this is the hardest. This is the silver bullet question. Like, this is the hardest uh, decision and question in 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 my in my design career um, by far. Coming up with the ideas is simple. Um, that's like a dime a dozen, right? But it's like... We do have like a play- dozen ideas in the Literally, hopper right now. We're in the hopper right now, yeah. And like, um, but it, it's it's putting in the work, putting in the play tests. So the, the first metric that I hear a lot of people say a lot is like, oh, I've done 100 play tests, my game is done. And that's um, an interesting one. I think right? I'm kind of polarized by that. That's a lot like, of play tests. That's a lot of play tests. And I get it. Do we, like, do, I, we I do 100 think- play tests? I mean, hypothetically, my brain, I calculate out that many, but like realistically, 100 play yeah. tests is a lot of play tests. You'd so hate it. It depends on the, on the, um, like the complexity of the game for sure. For sure. 100%. And it depends on some of the variables of the game, but I would say like the stuff that we're, we've been focusing on, we can get to Kickstarter with less than 100 play tests and feel extremely confident that we have a very, very strong product. Uh, yeah. And that we have, our product will find an audience. When I, I, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, 
have we done a hard play test um, by the end of the Kickstarter? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and probably more because like we are just out there and grinding and, and playing the game every single day, multiple games a day. And so that adds up really quickly. But like, like a hundred play tests, like, like you probably should just make changes faster and yeah. figure out the solutions faster. That was, that's kind of my, where I'm, I'm at. What does that mean? Does that mean a hundred play tests from inception to final product because yeah if you made 20 tweaks at the end and you only did three play tests of that then that 100 play test mean means nothing right yeah and and again this is everyone does this differently you know like every designer is going to say that like have have a different perspective on this but just where we're coming from we like to we like to make changes that swing the needle very quickly and so like just go back to zintas is example real quick so like uh draft beer like it's a drafting game. Whoa! Well, well, now let's try it as a different kind of game, like a different mechanic as the core mechanic, like mm-hmm. uh, you know, you draw two and play or something like that. So like that's those are the kind of giant changes that we w- we would make to feel like to to understand so that we're very confident what type of game this needs to be. Like what's the core? What's the essence? What's, what is the fun? Yeah, because I think yeah that can be very interesting because it's you can spend. 50 play tests on one concept and then make a pretty big tweak to the game then it's like yes those play tests got you to that point but like in my mind like is it like oh how many play tests do i have of the final version of this but like realistically i think it's just you know getting as many eyes on the game as you can because yeah i think number of play tests it can also mean how many different people you've had play this game because I, I would agree i think i'm playing with more people is is more valuable than playing a uh, hundred playtests with the same one, two, three, or four people. Like, you're just not going to be getting fresh ideas and fresh feedback from that group. You need you need to get it out there with a lot of different people. So, I, audience is a great one. So, for me, like, this topic is really interesting because uh, a game design comes out. The pitch is the first prototype, right? Yep. The second prototype is usually like something that's just hacked together as quick as possible. Um, usually, play it with the wife usually don't bring it into to work do not bring it in for random people at a meetup or anything like that won't bring it to a protospiel or a con um play with the wife she craps on it like she <laughs> needs to <laughs> and bless her soul like she plays all my worst games that i've ever made she's, and, she's very uh, patient apparently <laughs> apparently i don't know how yeah i don't know how she does it but um so then the next level of audience is, is like the close friends or the work group or something like that. Like your, your gamer group, right? Like bring it to the people that know your style, know, know what kind of games you like, um, are a little bit aligned on the vision. Mm-hmm. The next level uh, beyond that is like now you're kind of going to random people, maybe, but probably gamers, right? And so like you have the gamer audience, right? So you can go to a con or demoing it or, or approach people or meetup. Meetups a lot of times bring gamers too. And then even one layer removed from that is going to the mass. So going to, you know, your aunt or an uncle and their kid or whatever and saying like, hey, here's a blind play test. <laughs> like, try this thing out. So that that totally stretches it to the max, you know. So like we do go through all those levels all the time. No, don't start there. We do go through all those levels, but all those different audiences are so important to understanding how developed your game is. Yeah. And I guess... Um that also very much like changes with weight of game of course like yep if you have a very heavy heavy game or something that just requires like a decent amount of gamer knowledge or depth then um make sure you're tailoring your audience to that like 
yes, it, it probably is a good idea to get some play tests of the people who play quick lighter games mostly, but at the same time, like, are those people going to be able to offer you the um, the advice that you're looking for, right? Because right, um, it, find your audience, exactly, right? exactly. Yeah, another one. So, um, um, one thing I will say is like, there's no metric that you can i mean people people will, will st- you know use statistics or people will use um simulations but i in my opinion i really don't think there's a metric to understand whether or not a game is done but i think something that um i've started to to understand with myself is that like when i have a high confidence a super high confidence in the outcome of the game and the likability uh so when i put it on the table I can just, you know, give quick rules teach or not even mm-hmm. teach at all and have, have the, the rule book be read and taught. And I just, I'm so confident people are going to like it. Like that is when I really am, am, you know, super, super confident that the game is done at that point. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really great indicator. Um, Cause I mean, it's one of those things where the few, first few tests or your friend tests, um, depending on your friends, um, they may just give you the feedback of like, yes, this is, this is great. This is wonderful. And then um, once you get through all that and start to get like the harder, the harsher feedback, um, the randoms, yeah, yeah, the random feedback, um, getting to the point where you can just kind of present it to a random group of people and everyone enjoys it. And I guess like when you think that ha- when that happens more often than not, because uh, of course yeah. you're always gonna have the people who hate everything or just this is not their cup of tea. Like that's going to happen, right? But if you can, if you can more often than not go, wow, this game is likable. This game is doing what it needs to do. Then maybe it is hitting that point of being done. That being said, it's kind of interesting because um, that's where we kind of are with our um, next Bruin USA game, Taproom Takeover. Yeah. We hit a point where we're getting a lot of positive feedback. People are liking what we're doing, but at the same time, we're hitting this like level of apprehension of like, uh, is it a good game or is it just a? I mean, is it a great game or is it a good game? Right. So that's kind of where, where, where does it land the spectrum? What what how do we reimagine the vision and figure out what this product needs to be? And I think that that kind of goes into our next bullet point, right? Intuitive and uh, it's that it's intuitive to learn um, and play because I think that's what we made. We made a relatively intuitive game, but at the same time, it's 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 not hitting all these other points of um, speed and weight um, that we would expect for this type of game. Right, right. In inner minds, we said like, "Hey, let's make a lighter brew in USA. Um, let's add dice because because dice games are lighter, yep. and that's cool. And uh, then let's see what comes out. And so we ended up making a game that right now we 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 really like, and it's a really strong game, and it has it has tested really well. And we we demoed it with I think nine different groups at Gen, Gen Con, mm-hmm. and they all had a great time. Um, however, it's it's now it's a one hour game, and like. You, we can't kid ourselves like this is not a 15 minute or a 30 minute game it's yeah, just not. it's just a long game right now and which is it's funny because it's an enjoyable game but it just doesn't hit the the original goal right like the the idea right. like, oh let's make a dice version of ruin usa that can be quite played quicker and and is um just as much fun um yeah and, and we've made we made changes to try to try to make it into that p- potential product and we I just, you know, we, we both keep coming back to like, hey, like, is this the game that we, we really, really, really want to make? Like, maybe that initial vision was a little bit too light for the market that and, and the games that we like to play, right? Like, we want to make stuff that we like to play. Yeah. 
Um, and if if we turn it into the zombie dice of beer, does that now become the game that we don't want to play? Exactly. Not that zombie dice yeah. is a bad game. It's, no, it's, it's a, a fun game. game. But yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the thing is like, if you have a objective at the beginning, like our objective was to, hey, let's make a lighter, quicker version of Brewing USA. That can be a pretty big range, of course. But at the same time, like we knew what we had, um, what we played coming out of Gen Con wasn't exactly that. So it's easy for us to say like, no, this is not done. Um, yep. But, you know, like maybe that I guess that's a really just kind of the point I'm making here is that try to set your objective of what you want this game to be. And that's going to help you drive that decision. Is it done or not? Is it done or not? And and I think, I mean, we, we, we had a pretty big conversation the other night and I, I kind of wish we were recording it, but we weren't. And, um, but, but coming into that, I had outlined maybe like 10 or 11 different game designs that Bruin USA Taproom Takeover could become. Yep. And, uh, they all were structured in a way that I was hoping I was going to speed the game up and make it a little bit lighter, but still retain all, all the, th- all the good things it has. And so, um, it's really interesting. So like that, that is kind of a process that I have used in the past very effectively, mm-hmm. just like put all the crap ideas on the table yep. and make sure you develop them at least enough where you can test it or like give it the sniff test and say like, nah, this is not even worth testing. And then you become a lot more confident that the product that you made and the design that you ended up with um, makes a lot of sense. Now, we definitely have talked about in the past, like, um, how do you, uh, you know, how do you maintain the vision or how do you find the vision of a product, right? Like, like for truck off, remember we gave that example where, well, the people at the meetup didn't like the take up the take that games, right? Mm-hmm. Do we make it a lot more nerfed and a lot more friendly or do we lean into the take that? Yeah. So I think, again, like this is kind of one of those intersection points, this inflection points where like we need to maintain the vision. We, yeah. we need to focus and, and drive at the vision of this game and this product. And we'll know it's done when we're super confident in the outcome and the likability of it, right? Right now, nine groups at Gen Con really liked it, yep. you know? Um, and so that, that confidence is very high, but I still think there are a few small tweaks that we can do to even improve that even further. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I feel like in this scenario, we set our objective goal of just being, let's make a dice version and no change of weight or anything. Or like, yeah. let's like make a game of the same weight and time frame. We'd be like, mission accomplished. But Totally mission accomplished, yeah. Like this would, this would have been a great game coming out of the gate, but I think we have set that initial vision. Yep. And that's why we have this, this conversation of like, well, is this the game I wanted to make or not? Like, is the game done or not? You know? Yeah. And, I, and it's um, really interesting because I feel like I'm going back to the conversation that you were mentioning that we had the other night. Um, we literally went from what if we got like almost to the point of what if we didn't have dice to wait? Yeah. Dice are important. Like that was the thing. The spectrum that we covered in that, of that conversation was like, what if we did this? What if we did this? And then that all kind of like, got us to the point of asking the right questions of okay what is the actual problem here like what's the problem statement that we're trying to solve and it was like well it's just not fast enough right it's not yep, fast it's enough. not fast and, enough for like what we hoped exactly and like once we got back to that it's like okay here's where we can make changes so i think that's like a yep. really great way to try to work on your designs is throw out all the things throw all the spaghetti in the wall and then just go okay now that this is out here what is the actual issue and then do and- any of these things help us get there and, and I think fast enough, too, goes two ways. Because, like, if it's not your turn and you feel like the game's not going fast enough, then, A, 
it's either not going fast enough or b there's not enough interaction exactly and i think that is truly what we landed on right that's truly what we landed on so so we're like let's let's keep doing really everything we're doing really well but then let's continue to pull out the interaction and continue to boost that in the game if we can boost it with the current game we're going to be in a great spot not just a good spot yep yeah, and yeah, I think this is a really interesting conversation, um, and I know we're running out of time, but it's kind of funny because we talked about when it is a game done based on the design side of it. I think this may be interesting to revisit again as a when is a game done as a um, product, like art wise, oh, totally, totally, wise, yeah. like all that other stuff. So, yep, we're like just to clarify, we're kind of discussing this in a does the general flow of the game is the general flow of the game complete versus is it a shippable product those are two is it a shippable things. product yeah. yeah i mean the the good news is taproom takeover we already have the brewing you'll say universe we already have that branding that marketing established um and i think we can leverage a lot of that we can you know um, reinvent it and, and breathe some life into it um even more but i i think that we're starting from a very confident um artwork and branding and marketing spot um, whereas like if you would have talked to me during the initial brewing you say campaign yep um, we we would have been in a very different spot of like, what do we want this game to be? Do we do we think we can make craft beers make it out of the game, yeah. or do we think it's going to be all generic? Right. Interestingly, um, as you bring that up, um, one of our friends was um, is doing some work for us and was trying to find a logo while you were away. And I'm like, oh, I'll look for it. I'm pretty sure I have a file. And I'm looking through old emails and I found um, old logos and old things of like options of what this Bruno said could have been. And boy, are they a departure! So like. At some point, we we're like pretty crazy. Huh? Yeah, we're like, oh, this made this was really good, and then like we landed on something completely different, and that was like a is the game done moment um, on the design. Totally. Side. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, having a strong graphic designer can help you push a game towards being done. I would say, yeah. I mean, again, let's talk about that in another episode from, from a graphic design and a marketing standpoint. But like, I, I think those are two parallel avenues you need to take when you're making games. If you're the publisher, you know, if you're just the designer, you're focusing on the design. Yep. So and yeah yeah i know we're running out of time so i guess the best way I, I can wrap it up is by saying uh just send us a copy and i'll let you know if it's done i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> um uh, i mean protospiels are great too that's yes, something we didn't exactly. mention get other designers and other gamers feedback at a protospiel and people will let you know if they think it's done or not if there's enough variety to be able to, to be replayable um like that is super valuable resource yep 100 percent so awesome um thanks everyone for tuning in to print it and ship it um like i said earlier in the episode please feel free to reach out via um, facebook email um we also have some awesome reddit posts out there so check those out and um i think that's it any other parting words adam uh that is it i think thank you so much for listening and uh at adam's apple games adam at adam, adam's apple games.com and uh facebook all the all the work so yep Awesome. Thanks, Thanks so much. Check them. Check them.